Hello, hello. Welcome to the Oz on Air, the Ballad of a Growing Black Girl podcast. I'm your host, Ozriel, and here I get real, y'all. I talk about self-love, personal development, and my faith. I'm a Christian. I made this platform to create a space where people can not only relate, but learn something I may have to offer through my experiences. I've been through hard times, but I feel going through rough waters always gives us perspective and helps us learn something we need to in order to get through this life. I'm glad you gave me the chance to do so by checking out this episode. Now let's go ahead and hop right in. Hello, hello. Welcome to season two, episode three of the Oz on Air, the Bella of a Growing Black Girl podcast. I'm your host, Azriel, and today we have a special guest. I say special, like very, very special because he's the first person that is a guest on my podcast. All my other episodes up until now have been solo. So we have a second mic and we have a second person in the room with me. And today's episode is very juicy. I feel like this is going to really reach some of you. And yeah, so I'm Azriel, like I just said, and here is my guest. This is Josh Gilliam. He means a lot to me. He is a therapist. He is a man of God. And you can now take it away and brag about yourself. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, I am glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Of um, course. <laughs> again, my name is Josh Gilliam. Um, I guess things that a little bit about myself, and this almost sounds like a dating profile. Um, <laughs> I am a 30-year-old black man. Um, millennial. Millennial, right? Um I'm also a therapist. I work in the city and do a lot of uh, trauma, pa- uh, work with a lot of trauma patients. Okay. And I work with a lot of trauma patients. Um, and I also used to do uh, community uh, private practice work, working with a bunch of teenagers, actually anybody at any age, really, but um, mostly black males between the ages of eight and about mm, 23-ish. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, um, a little bit about myself. I also, I love to go skating, love comic books. Um, been married for almost six years. Um, no kids. Um, so I have a lot of free time. I love to travel. Um, and I am actually becoming a sneakerhead. So, um, (laughs) yeah. And also I love God. I love God. So period, (laughs) you know, Gotta put that in there. Yes, of course. So y'all already know what this episode is about because you read the title and you clicked on it. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to talk about mental health and faith. You know, we're both Christians, obviously. And he is a therapist, so he deals with mental health every day. Yes. Counsels people. Yes. And then you guys know I have a platform where I talk about things like personal development and self-care and mental health and everything. So this has been weighing on me. I, it's been on my heart to talk about. And I thought Josh was the perfect person because he's a man of God. And he is a therapist, so he knows both worlds. So we're going to go ahead and hop right in. I want to ask you, Mm -hmm. even though I already know you're going to agree, do you think, (laughs) you know, that mental health and being a Christian can coexist? Uh, Yes. So like having definitely, and you mean by like mental health issues, right? Yes. I'm sorry. Yes. Mental health issues. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, but yeah, they definitely, I think they definitely can coexist. And I definitely uh, think that. Um, your mental health issues don't come from um, your lack of faith. They come from other external. Um, they come from a lot of external things, right? Um, wow, 
I said um again. That's very interesting. But yeah, so yeah, they come from a lot of external circumstances, and I think that um, us as believers, we have to remember that it is not a lack of faith. We have to remember that. We have to have that empathy and sympathy for people who struggle with mental health issues. I think that is probably the most important thing. Yeah, definitely. They both can coexist, like you said. Having mental health issues like anxiety or depression, I don't think that proves that you will lack faith or, mm-hmm. you know, are not serious about your faith, like, oh, Absolutely. you're lukewarm or yep. things of that nature. Yeah. Um, believers, non-believers, we all struggle with uh, mental health disorders and yep. they happen from things that happen to our lives, mostly traumatic things. Yep. Um, and even just life sucking in general. Life is a roller coaster. There's a lot of up moments and a lot of down moments. Yes. And both can coexist. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the older generation, um, <laughs> older church generation, Ooh. they tend to demonize and say that, you know, you having suicidal thoughts is a demon, which is true. Like, yeah. that's true. That's a, The devil can put, you know, thoughts and things into our mind that Absolutely. run us, run our mental health to, to the ground and lead to depression and suicidal thoughts. Absolutely. But that's not the only way. That's not the only reason to experience downfalls with mental health. Yes. And because the other part is, I mean, you can just, by your life experiences, your life experiences can, you know, can end up teaching you that um, that your life is not worth it, right? Which would mean, you know, that, you know, which would mean that it would be better off you not living, right? Yeah. It can teach you lessons like that. Um, but again, that's the reason why God is important. Yes. Um, um, because God gives you that purpose and teaches you why life is worth living. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's, yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. I just really wish we would understand that as a body. Yeah. You know. Um, There's a time and a place for where it's spiritual, what is it, spiritual attacks and yes. from the enemy. Yes. And some things it's through what you've been through. It's yes. circumstances. Yes. It's chemical imbalances. Yes. Family history. Yes, absolutely. Science. Absolutely. People think that science and um and faith cannot it, coexist. Yeah, it's like one or the other. Yeah. But like I don't think that's true either. <laughs> yeah, no, like I, I definitely believe that science explains faith, right? Science is evidence of faith. I think that yeah. uh, science is literally just the world's explanation of what God has already done, right? Um, mm-hmm. um, you think about the Big Bang and how things have kind of already transpired. I'm not going to go into too much into that. But I, but you think about it, it's really just explaining what God did when he created the universe, when he created time, when he created space. It just explains it, right? Yeah. And so, so yeah, that's what I believe, at least. Exactly. Um, I want to ask, tell me a little bit about your experience with mental health and how mm-hmm. that ties into you being a man of God, okay. you know, kind of your struggles. Okay. And so, so, wow, I just got really loud for like two seconds. Um, <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> you know, when I get, when I, when I talk, I kind of get excited. So me too. Of, I get loud. Yeah. I get passionate. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm like super passionate about this. It's very interesting. Um, and so. Um, I think one thing about me, I do have a history of dealing with um, depression and anxiety um, and suicidal thoughts. And in the ways, and I kind of explain the ways that I've, um, the situations that have kind of put me in those mindsets, right? 
Um, I grew up in a household uh, where um, me and my dad didn't have the best relationship, right? Mm -hmm. um, he had reactions that I could not think of as reasonable. Um, he also used to drink a lot, right? And so, um, and so his reactions to me definitely caused me a lot of anxiety, right? Because I was always, and I was always fearful, right? That he would uh, overreact to me, like he would verbally talk back to me, like he would threaten me, like I, I would be afraid of that, right? Mm -hmm. And so that translates into like not having confidence, right? Because you're so fearful. Yeah, we're being degraded every second. Yeah, and so um, and so with that lingering, right? Um, my lack of confidence, you know, I would say landed to me being bullied, and um, and you know, I was bullied really from like the seventh grade probably into like sophomore year of high school, and so. Uh, and so bullies, like, and one thing about bullies, bullies always try to find the people who they know don't have the confidence, right? Because bullies don't bully people who have confidence because they know that they're going to do something about it. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, like, I, I would say, like, that, that bullying thing, I mean, not only was I getting anxiety from home, but I was also feeling that at school, and I was feeling depressed. And um, my, the anxiety became physical. Right, it became physical manifestations of how it's on me, on me, on the inside, right? And so, like, there would be days where I have, where I would have massive headaches, right? Um, especially when my anxiety would be real bad, or I would just have really bad stomach aches, right? Mm. Um, and so, literally, like, I would have to leave school. Like, I left school on a couple of occasions because of that. Like, I couldn't. I just couldn't function. Yeah. I couldn't function, right? And I wasn't sure what was going on with me, and so yeah. um, and so that led into like you know depression, obviously. But even at the end of high school, um, um, I even wanted to unalive myself, right? Um, you know, uh, I had a plan, um, and I constantly thought about that plan, and it, and um, yeah, I was just wondering. I was like, man, what would happen if I do unalive myself here? Like, well, who's gonna who would care, right? Like. Yeah. Because at that point, I didn't think anybody would. Um, and then, if you couple that back with, in the seventh grade, and I jumped ahead, but in the seventh grade, I found out I was adopted. Right? And so, you know, the normal process is, if there is a normal process, people usually tell you you're adopted. Tell you. Right? And so, me finding out, in which it was kind of weird because I put two and two together. And so, with me finding out I was adopted, uh, shout out to my biological family, by the way. Um, <laughs> Um, I recognized that like my foundation was cracked. Like I had no idea who I was. My identity was broken. I had no identity at that point. I feel yeah. like, and so uh, when you shatter like somebody's confidence, when you when you have a whole bunch of anxiety, um, you know, when you're depressed from uh, from life and and from being bullied in your household and things of that nature. You know, for me, I really did want to unlock myself, and that and that kind of, it kind of feels weird to say that because it's just like, 
like you're kind of like dang really like you really wanted to unalive yourself like because of that and it's like yeah i did like that's what i experienced and so yeah um and so yeah and then like even if, when you couple that in with ptsd which is can be another thing for another day because ptsd is just a wide spectrum of things <laughs> but uh but yeah like i um yeah those have been kind of my experiences with uh mental health like uh mental health trauma i mean um experiences right um and the funny thing was that you know god got me out of that you know got me out of those spaces right and god you know kind of changed my heart and my mind however i still have to go to therapy right mm-hmm. um, so you're showing that both can coexist you can yeah. do have more than one source yes of help yes absolutely um because God is a counselor and the Holy Spirit is a counselor. Yeah. But I also need, but I, but I feel like God put people in my life, um, put other therapists in my life to where I can also get the tools, the physical tools to figure that out and a safe space. Yeah. Right. Um, That's important. Yes, because everybody needs a safe space and not everybody gets one. Not yeah. everybody has one. Mm-hmm. And so I know for me that that was one of those things that I really needed. It was community. It was community, a safe space just to talk about it, right? Uh, where somebody wouldn't judge me, right? And so, yeah. And so, yeah, uh, that's just really like, that's really kind of like giving my history on like um, my mental health disorders. And, and then on top of that, recently found out I may have ADHD. Uh, it's fine though, you know, ADHD <laughs> is a fun thing a lot to of, work I'm through. realizing a lot of people as they're older, they're, they realize they have had ADHD and never yes. got diagnosed. Yes, absolutely. And so, um, yeah. And so, yeah, um, it's very interesting. And then, you know, you couple that in with the seasonal depression thing and that's just a, it's just a fun snorkelsport. dysfunctional as well. I don't want to talk badly about my parents because I obviously love my parents still in my life. Yeah. But um, there were some issues there. Uh, My dad was a drinker and Mm. my mom always worked. She worked two jobs and I got the very opposite of the normal household that people got. Like most people have both parents working or the mom stayed at home and the dad worked and mine was the opposite. My mom worked, my dad stayed at home Mm -hmm. and my mom wasn't there physically, and sometimes emotionally, you feel like walking on eggshells with her because she was always stressed, always tired, mm-hmm. um, would blow up. Right? It's all capitalism. <laughs> blow up at a fork being in the sink. <laughs> Why are the dishes in the sink? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and um, my dad wasn't there emotionally, and like I said, he was a drinker, so there was some mm-hmm. some abuse that went on. Yeah. And uh, I had I have a brother that I grew up with. Um, you love you, Chris. You're great. Um, he alright. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> um, but he was five years older than me. Sometimes he wasn't at home. Sometimes I was home. But I still felt alone at times. And so I really uh, started to spend a lot of time with myself. And I became my own best friend. Like, mm-hmm. I would hang out with friends at school. 
but at home I just I still felt alone I was lacking that attention that I and validation that children deserve like I had everything else I had food on the table I had a roof over my head I had a bed to sleep in but there was that emotional disconnect and people have more needs than just food shelter and water absolutely (laughs) so I lacked in that and Mm -hmm. it showed up in later in my adult life and then my dysfunctional relationship between my parents Mm -hmm. showed up in my relationship and my last relationship that I had Mm -hmm. and so I felt alone I felt lonely a lot recently about a year ago found out that I deal with some anxiety because Mm -hmm. I ended up telling my therapist all the anxious thoughts that I would have and the worries and the fears and she was like yeah that's anxiety and I was like hmm yeah. I never put that label on it, but yeah. it made sense. It was anxiety. Yeah. And um, dealt with some depression, especially in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I would choose food to comfort me and things Listen, like that. that so. comfort food. Woo! <laughs> Listen, I yeah. get it. Come yeah. on. Come on and talk about it. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say some depression. I deal with some depression at times, some anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. I like I I like what you mentioned, especially in college, because college gives you your own unique experience. Like, especially your first semester, like your first semester of your freshman year, yeah. it just feels weird, right? Because not only are you away from your parents, and, and this is coming from a person that I did not live on campus, but I still got kind of like the same thoughts and the same um, feelings. But like, you're away from home, right? You're yeah. Not, you're, you're away from friends that you knew for four years, right? Yeah. And so... Um, it was very hard for me to make friends in college. Yeah, It's very hard for me to make friends. When you grow up around people, you know, all the way up to high school, like, you're with those people every day. You're going to make friends. You're going to hang out. Absolutely. It's so much easier. But once you're out of school, yes. and college is still school, but it's different. You're not forced to sit down and then go to lunch at a certain period. It's yes. not the same. So it was very difficult to make friends in college. Yes. So I just kind of stuck with hanging out with my boyfriend and just kind of isolated my college boyfriend at the time. Yeah. And, um... I guess I kind of lost some of my social skills because I still struggle <laughs> with making friends. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 and and you know, and and that and that really, and I feel like that story is a a lot of times. I feel like that story is a lot more prominent than what we believe, right? Yeah, um, you know, because um, a lot of us sometimes are far away from our communities. Um, we have to find ourselves. Uh, we find ourselves having to kind of step out of our bubble more than we're used to, right? Yeah. Um, Absolutely. When you're a kid, you already have the community around you. Yeah. You're forced to hang out with cousins. You're forced to go to school. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, like, my college that I went to, I mean, I didn't... Man, I knew three people there, and none of them were my program, right? And so... (laughs) And so, uh, we were doing... I was in, like, a paralegal studies program. Don't use that degree. Um, and then um, an applied management. Um, and I only knew going into my school, I only knew three people. Well, actually, I knew one person, but I knew of three other people, right? Mm-hmm. And they were all black, right? And so um, <laughs> everybody else, it just felt, I felt super alone and super isolated. Yeah. You know, and, you know, especially because my friends went away to school and like all of them went to like Mizzou, MSU and all the the great schools around the St. Louis area. Yeah. Meanwhile, me, I'm just still in St. Louis. <laughs> yeah. And so um so yeah, and then, you know the unique thing about 
like I was about to say earlier, the unique thing about your freshman year in particular is that you 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 deal with the attachment disorder, right? I mean, the adjustment disorder, not attachment, the adjustment disorder, right? Mm-hmm. You feel being homesick, because that's the AKA name for it, but being home, homesickness, right? And homesickness can can bring on um, anxiety and depressive symptoms, right? Um, which is the reason why they always say, you know, I mean, which makes a, t- a lot of sense why universities now, they have you doing like a new student orientation or like a... Yeah. Like a... Uh, I remember they, that. <laughs> yeah, like they have you joining these freshman groups, right? Yeah. And they don't try to leave you alone. Like it's so weird because... I've had so many people, like, I've had so many of my friends tell me, like, man, for the first week of school, like, I felt like I could not get, like, in my house and be by myself. Yeah, they really push community in college, freshman year, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, (laughs) yeah, yeah, and it's just, it's very interesting, but yeah, I'm sorry. I I know I went on a tangent. No, you're fine. Yeah, so, basically, life circumstances, the downs, well, the downs, that's opposite of the ups obviously on the roller coaster Mm -hmm. and um traumatic events and things they obviously affect our mental health and they affect non-believers and believers minds as well absolutely um i think we both deal with the same pressures and the same stresses just like people who don't believe in god but yeah our perspective and how we handle it is just different from how non-believers but the stresses and everything they're the exact same yes there's no difference no really not. not at all so not at all i do have a um a little health fact here i got this from mental health um, dot gov and it's probably a little outdated it's from like 2020 i think but still it applies um it says one in five american adults experience a mental health issue one in six young people experience a major depressive episode wow. one in 20 people live with a serious mental illness such as schizophrenia bipolar disorder or major depression Mm-mm-mm. and i did some calculations on this so they, it could be off don't shoot me but the american population in 2020 was 33 i'm sorry not 33 331 million i'm just gonna stick with that there's way more numbers um (laughs) but about 77.8 of that population is over 18 so that's about 257 million adults oh my goodness that means 51 million people in america experience a mental health issue and that's just a number for adults so think about people who are under 18 so for the whole population that deals with a serious mental health issue that's about 16 million people well over 16 million just imagine that is Oh my goodness, that is a lot of people. Yeah, like, and that's including people of all races and religions and everything. Man, man, they, whew, my goodness. You know what's crazy, though? Like, with all those people being kind of like uh, having mental health uh, issues, you would be surprised because um, it feels like a lot of people are going to therapy now, right? Yeah. But what if, like, but I don't, I'm not quite sure if there's a lot of people, like, if there's enough people going to therapy. No, there definitely isn't. Right? I feel like we're in a better age of mental health and going to therapy, but not, there definitely are more people that need to go that aren't. Yeah. Still tig- stigmatized. Yeah, yeah. So. And, the, and, the, and the reason why I brought, why I said that is because, you know, you think about it, if you look up, like, you guys can go to psychology today, right? And you can look up um, therapists in your area. A mm-hmm. lot of therapists aren't accepting new clients. Right, Mm-mm. because they're full, um, and I've experienced that. Right, like my schedule, I will, I you know, when I worked in private practice, I was only holding ten slots. Right, mm-hmm. um, and then after that, I wasn't taking anymore. Um, it's like that, and especially like when you 
get down your demographics, right? Like when you when you when you get it down to black people, yeah. a lot of black therapists aren't taking new clients, and because they have higher caseloads. And then if you go down to black male therapists, mm-hmm. um, there first of all, there's not a lot of us, right? Mm-hmm. But the other part is is that we serve multiple duties in the black community, right? Not only do we counsel kids, but a lot of times when we are dealing with kids that we are um, counseling, we are also serving as mentors. Um, Mm. We're also put in the place of that, right? Um, And that's something that obviously therapists have to check, but yes, yes. (laughs) And it's very interesting because like I said, like a lot of black black male therapists, if you find a black male therapist, more than likely they probably do not have enough space on their caseload. Yeah. It's a good thing that more people are going to therapy, but it also sucks that like they're being on being put on wait lists and um, can't find somebody. Yes. Or even money issues, insurance issues. Absolutely. So it's like so many people are like waving their hands for help, but then they can't get the help that they need because therapists are booked or exactly. it's too expensive. Exactly. So that's a, it sucks like a double-edged sword. Absolutely. And this is a call to everybody who wants to be a therapist. Please come out and become a therapist. Please. Yes. We need more therapists. Yes. We, we do. We need you out here. Um, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> if you are a black male, listen to this. This is a call to black males. Become therapists, please. <laughs> <laughs> become therapists. Yes. We do need more therapists in the world. Um, I found this article that I'm going to quote from rdailybread.org. It says that some Christians have a particular difficulty with experiencing and dealing with mental health illness. Mm-hmm. They don't recognize it as an illness. Although they would accept that Christians can get physically sick, they seem to think that Christians should not get mentally ill. But they seem to forget that all human beings since the fall, you know, the fall of man, are living in a broken world with decaying bodies, trapped wills, and disturbed minds. There is no more reason for a Christian to think they will never experience mental illness than there is to think that we will never get sick. Just like Christians are okay with being in the hospital to be treated for an illness um, and broken bones and things like that, why do they shun being treated by a therapist? Mm. And then there are some who obviously don't even believe in medical help as well. But yeah, I that's it's just so interesting how you know there's a Christian who may get cancer and they might start chemo, so they have other Christians around them praying for them, but then they're also getting the chemo treatment. Why can that not be the same for, I don't know, maybe somebody who's about to go to go see a therapist? Why can't yeah. people lay hands on them before they go to a therapy session? Why is it only physical sickness that a lot of um, Christians look at? Absolutely. And I think I think the reason why it's like that is because it's easier, right? Um, mm, you can see the ailment. I can see the ailment. So if I can see the ailment, I can take care of it. Um, you know, a lot of times we've been taught as a society that if I can't see it, it doesn't exist. Right. Mm, that's so, true. Yeah. And so, um, in a mental health uh, perspective, listen, like trauma, trauma happens to everybody, right? Yes, it does. Um, mm-hmm. And some of us have not handled our trauma, or sometimes our body has reacted to the trauma in a very adverse way. Um, and so, with that being said. Um, yeah, you should go see a therapist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're having delusions, right? If you're having things that are, that if you're seeing things that are not there, you should go see a therapist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned earlier PTSD. If you're having flashbacks about your trauma, 
you should probably go see a therapist. Exactly. Um, if your depression is so bad that um, not only do you have a depressed mood, but you're no longer taking showers, you're no longer leaving your house, you mm -hmm. don't find things pleasurable, you should probably go talk to somebody, right? Yeah, I dealt with that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? And, no um, enjoyment. Yeah. yeah, if you can't enjoy the things you used to love, then you, you should have to go, you should go talk to somebody. Um, and I'm not, and I, and listen, if you, if you're not there yet, that is fine. But, um, but I think eventually you should definitely do that. And you know, what's funny. I want to say one thing real quick. I keep hearing my phone vibrate behind me and it's always in the middle of like when you're doing something important that important, your phone yeah. vibrates and everybody needs to talk to you. I don't know if how many of y'all have experienced that, but I would say that I'm experiencing that right now. He is. I'm hearing that phone next to me, y'all. <laughs> like, bruh, who's texting you? Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, and I think what's interesting is the fact that they, is that a lot of Christians want to shun at mental health issues, but like, why did a lot of people come to Christ? Mm, Nobody sits there it. coming to Christ, like just saying, oh, Jesus loves you. And then it's like, okay, I'm a Christian. Let me get baptized. Mm. A lot of us came from broken worlds. We're yes. broken ourselves. A lot of us got deliverance yes. from drugs and from all these different negative things in life. And that's yes. what got us to Christ. Listen, I don't feel like people come to Christ because their life is going well. Mm -hmm. Like it's from things that we've been through that draw us into Christ. And it makes sense because he died for our sins. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's funny because I remember when God said that it would be, um, it wasn't God. Sorry. It was somebody in the Bible. Right? <laughs> they said that um, it is it is harder for a rich man to see God than it is for a poor man. And I, I want people to think about that. Like when it comes in the spirit, if you're poor in the spirit, it's very easy for you to see God. Because if you have everything, what, you know. You don't need God if you, you have everything. You feel like you don't need God, mm -hmm. right? And so, so, yeah, I just wanted to kind of back up that point you said. Because I yeah. thought that was really good. Yeah. You, it, you come to Christ because of brokenness, and then once you're saved and you're delivered from your sins, how are you going to look at the next person and judge them because they're caught in their sin? Absolutely. They're at the point that you were steps ago. Yes. They're yes. taking those steps forward just like you. Yes, absolutely. It's ridiculous to think that we won't deal with... Uh, you can't ignore trauma and mental health. Yes. Bad mental health, I should say. Yes. And it's negative effects, you know, because overall, Christ died for the brokenness, for the sin. Yep. Christ didn't get on that cross just to do it. Absolutely. He didn't get on it because things were going great. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Talk about so, it. So, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. I, I, yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. Like, uh, yeah. you know, there would be no need for a Messiah if the world was if the world was just perfect, if people were just perfect, there would be no need for the Messiah. Exactly. Right? And I think that's the thing that Christians seem to forget, especially, like, in the mental health spaces, right? Yeah. Um, people that, because I think you mentioned people with schizophrenia, um, that is a very, very vulnerable population. And those, and I, and I, I have a very, um, I have a heart for those people, right? Because they are very misunderstood. And on top of that, um, they don't get the empathy that they need. No, they just get deemed as crazy. Yes. Um, but if you ever met a schizophrenic person, they will tell you that they do not want to hear the voices and no. they don't want to hear the, the sounds or the uh, they don't want to see things. They can't help it. Right? Yeah. And so, sorry I'm going on a tangent about that. No, but, but they, that makes sense. They have a special place in my heart. Period. So, yeah. 
I really do have a heart for people who are misunderstood by society who, yes. who deserve the empathy that they misunderstood by by society just yeah. like who was talk about it just like hmm Jesus talk about it Jesus was misunderstood talk about it and hated oh talk about it come on now talk about it come on hallelujah <laughs> Say lie. Don't you hear when people say say lie? They be like, "What does that even mean?" I don't know. I just feel like it was agreeing at the end. Like Paul put it at the end. Say lie. Say lie. Say lie. I also think our mental health affects our actions. Yes. Um, What I don't know what what person is point, but as a man thinks, so he is. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So anything that you think, if you think that you're not good enough, that's how you're going to walk through life. Your actions are going to reflect that. Yes. Yes. And um, those actions I'm meaning is sin. Yes, absolutely. So pornography, drug use. Yes, uh, yes. Dependency on things that are just not really good for you in the long in the long run. They're mm-hmm. just temporary pleasures. Yep. That make you feel better. That make you feel less alone or yep. less hurt. Whatever it is you're going through. Yep. There is a direct connection between um, sin and trauma, right? Um, you mentioned pornography. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, pornography is funny, right? It's a funny, it's a funny topic to bring up, and this is the reason why. Um, a lot of times, people think people are just addicted to porn just because they're um, just because of the sexual aspect, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing is, pornography serves a lot of. Um, it can serve a lot of. Um, it can serve as a band-aid for a lot. Yeah. Right? I agree. Um, <clears throat> I know for myself, I think that uh, pornography uh, served as a... Um, wow, I'm going to actually get pretty intimate here. This is weird. Okay. Um, but it served as like a... It served as a way for me to deal with anxiety, Right? Okay. Um, because you know you need those endorphins, you need those, you need that dopamine to kind of help out and deal. At least I thought that you needed that, right? Um, and what you're doing is, um, and I just watched some, I just watched a podcast about it. But what you're doing is, a, is essentially you're training your mind, kind of like um, I don't know if you guys have heard of who uh, Ivan Pavlov is, right? The guy with the uh, that did the dog experiment. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Um, and the um, and the stimulus and the bell and all that other stuff, but essentially you're training your mind to do the same thing, right? Yeah. Um, unintentionally. Um, and so mm. anytime you are doing like a, a you're, you're watching a sex scene un- unintentionally, like on, in a movie, yeah. right? It puts you in that mind space of like, oh, okay, so since I've seen that, now I gotta go watch porn. Or mm. if. I'm anxious. My next thing is to go watch porn because I know I get those good feeling um, endorphins and dopamine in my brain. You're really just training yourself to to watch that stuff, and so um, whether intentionally or unintentionally, that is what's happening, and that's the reason why addiction to porn is so hard yeah. to deal with, right? Um, yeah. And sorry, that was kind of a tangent, but when you brought that up, and I think the same thing about drugs. People think people that are drug addicts. Um, I don't want to say drug addicts. People who think people that struggle with substance use mm-hmm. um, are just people who who struggle with substance use. No, nobody ever picked up a, a substance one day um, 
Just to do it. Just to do it, I'm right? just try it. Well, I mean, or, some people say they do, but there's a motive to everything. But, but there's a motive to everything, right? And yeah. And so I want, you know, the good thing, the thing about for us Christians, we have to recognize is that there's always going to be a motive. Always going to be a motive to your sin and, yeah. and to things that you do that take you away from God. Um, there's always going to be a motive, right? And so us as Christians, we have to be um, empathetic towards that, right? Um, and we have to be, we have to have humility. That's why yeah. humility is important. Yeah, we're quick to judge. Yes. We're, we want to, why are they dressed like that? Why are they doing that? But like, really, like, you need to, like, why? Why are they doing that? Why are they doing What's that? What's the deeper why? What's the root of the issue? Absolutely. And I think, um, at least a lot of the older generation, you know, I think prayer is pow powerful and it works, mm -hmm. but you may need more than prayer to help you get to that. Like, it, yes. some things are just cutting off dead leaves, but you're not getting to the root. Like more leaves will grow and then they'll yep. die. Like yep. what's the root of it yep. that's why, causing this? Yes. Why are the leaves dying? Mm -hmm. Why are they dying? Right. Um, like you mentioned, like when somebody, like when it comes to judging do, and then the other part is, do you have a relationship with the person that judged them? Right. Um, I think a lot of the older generation, they would, they would, because they believe the authority, they have authority, right. They would just judge people and, and and let it go but the question is is that if you correct me without relationship i'm gonna think it's offensive yeah it's like who are you exactly i don't know you exactly and so i get that and so you know <clears throat> you don't know the person to understand um why they are doing what they're doing right yeah. um like i remember in college right i used to have a i used to have a friend who um they used to drink a lot um, and so they, I mean, when I said they had like a lot of liquor, it was a lot of liquor. Right. And so I think that I didn't put two and two together. Right. But I was like, dang, they drink a lot. Like every time I see them, it's always, it's always got a drink in their hand. Yeah. yeah. They got a drink in their hand or like they would have it underneath their bed. Um, and it would just be funny because I've never understood it, and especially when I first became a Christian, I never understood. I just assumed, okay, well, this is just sin. But no, the reality is the person, when I talked to the person, they were actually going through a lot, mm -hmm. right? They needed the release. They needed the the feel-good feelings of being drunk, right? Yeah. Um, they needed to forget about the stresses and the anxiety of the world. So therefore, they would drink a lot. Yeah. Right? That was a temporary fix. Yeah, it's a temporary fix, right? <clears throat> uh, but we know you can't, you can't, you can't fix a God-sized hole in your heart, right? Um, a trauma, like trauma in your heart, is is is, it's just it's destructive. Cause you to sin. Yeah. You know. Sorry, I went on another tangent, but <laughs> Josh just loves tangents. I do. Um. So yeah, I think like you said, like we've been saying, like there has to be a balance. There has to be. I don't think there's anything wrong waking up on a Sunday morning, taking your medication yep. and your vitamins that you need, and then praying, then heading to church, then yep. going to therapy after. Absolutely. All can coexist. Like, but what I, I want to ask you is like, where, like, where does it become too much? Where is it? Okay, now I'm abusing this and I'm putting it before above God. When I should, God be, should be number one. Then, like, mm -hmm. okay, therapy should have made number two. Mm -hmm. Antidepressants, number three. Good diet, number four. Like, yeah. where do we? 
I, I think it becomes an overbalance when you just depend on medicine, right? When you just depend on therapy without God, right? Um, I think God is the source. You have to stay connected to God, right? Um, but I think the other part is, is that, you know, whether whatever medicine you take, um, you take, whether that be Lexapro, Seroquel, Abilify, um, any, he named them all the medications. Any SSRI or anything <laughs> like that that you take, I think that you have to have the support of um, of the creator, right? You have to have the support of the community, right? Um, I know in the Bible it talks about how isolation is the work of the spirit. It's not a good thing, right? Um, you need a community around you. And I know that's a lot, that's that's a lot, uh, that's easier said than done. Than yeah, the it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, that stuff, you, you have to have a, a mixed bag and you have to learn to be skillful, which, uh, which is funny because I think a lot of people, they don't mention when they take medicine, how are you being skillful with, um, with the things that you're doing, right? Um, you know, are you, are you doing some behavioral activation? Are you doing like activities like such as working out that keeps you, um, that keeps those feel good you know, feeling endorphins, more. endorphins, and dopamine. Are you, are you, are you doing, um, finding some hobby? How are you finding a hobby? Something that relaxes you. Yes. Are you, are you doing things you love? Yeah. Right. Um, are you in prayer? Right. Cause prayer is also important. Yeah. Um, you know, you got to think about those things and how are you distressing? Right. Because I think that's another thing, distress tolerance. Right. Um, a lot of times when we are very stressed out, we are at our most, um, sensitive state to sin, right? When we are very stressed out. Yeah. Um, are you being aware of where your stresses are? Do you understand your um, your triggers? Yeah. Do you understand that, right? Yeah. Um, because you have to use the stress tolerance now, right? You can't just depend on your medicine. I'm sorry. I know that. Um, I know that it may seem like medicine is a one-all, be-all, cure it or whatever, but it, it's just not true. Yeah, you want to probably find, keep God in your life, but also the plan is to be on medication, but not to be on it the rest of your life. Absolutely. If you can help it, it's definitely yeah. not, right? Yeah, um, that's, that's hopefully the goal. Yeah, you want to be as skillful as possible. Um, you want to be, you want to be as great as you can while you're using these things, right? Yeah. Um, I know for me, um, just a little bit about me, I take Lexapro, right? And you would think that um, Lexapro would be the end-all, be-all, right? I, I thought, especially in the beginning, I thought that Lexapro was supposed to be like this um, this thing of like, oh, I feel immediately A better. magic pill. Yeah, yeah, it's like a magic pill, but the reality is, is that in any therapy, therapist would tell you, what skills are you using, right? Like, are you, like you said, are you uh, involving yourself in your hobbies, which I had started to do, right? I started doing puzzles. I know that sounds like a 70-year-old man who does puzzles. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um, <laughs> do your puzzles. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, I got back into skating. I do poetry, right? Um, um, and in distress tolerance, I started to pray, started to talk to God more, right? Because I feel like that's important. Yeah. But you have to have those tools. You have to have a mixed bag. Yeah. Right? Understandable. Uh, yeah, and hanging out with believers who encourage you um, exactly. to do the right, to stay on the right path. That's important. Yeah, who uh, won't judge you when you want to 
when you mess up. Yeah, when you mess up or when you frankly just want to not be here anymore. Exactly. Not have them look at you with wide eyes and judgment. Absolutely. But, yeah, Mm -hmm. I think that's important. I know for me, for my journey with mental health, like, I would spend time with God. I would try to spend time with God, read my Bible, but at the same time, I was in therapy. Mm-hmm. So I was having therapy sessions. I would yep. go on walks at the park all yep. the time yep. Just, and uh, move my body yep. or go to the gym. Yep. Yep. Um, so I was doing a variety of things. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with having a variety of things. Absolutely. And are you? And the other part is, and I don't want to sound like a nutritionist, but are you eating good, right? Yeah. Um, I, that's a your diet plays a large role into your mental health, right? Um, like, I remember when I used to be very depressed, right? I think one of the things, I used to eat pizza every night, um, basically. Like, it was my, yum, first, yum. <laughs> my first apartment. Yeah, cheese pizza, like cheese, St. Louis style pizza from Pizza, uh, what was it, St. Louis Pizza and Wings? Um, I used to get that, like, down there every night. Right? <laughs> um, but I was very depressed, though, mm-hmm. right? And, like, it would be my feel good food. But I wouldn't feel good after. Like, I'll feel good during and for about five minutes. And then after that, my, my, I just felt like my mood would drop, right? Yeah. Um, because that's all I was consuming my, my, um, my body with. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, like, I think that's also important. And then also for my black folk, are we taking our vitamin D pills, right? Um, <laughs> I'd be lacking on my vitamin D pills. I can't even lie. Because <laughs> <laughs> listen, that's where you're, that's where you're, um, that's where your energy comes from. That's where, you know, your, True. they they did a, a link between low vitamin D and depression. And, um, Gotta take your vitamin D. Yeah, you got to. You got to. Take huh? it and go out in the sun. That's why yes. they really recommend it in the winter because there's barely in the sun. Yeah. A- absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and I know for my people that live in sunny places, you probably don't have to worry about that. Which just go outside. But if for my people that live in the Midwest. All seasons, yeah. Yeah, and in the, in the north, you have to take your vitamin D. You got to. Yeah, definitely. So. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I also want to know that, like, how other Christians, it's like, it's hard because we're supposed to reflect mm-hmm. God. We're supposed to reflect Jesus mm-hmm. and be, um, bring people to the light. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we, we're a reflection, but also we are not a reflection. Like, yeah. We are sinful. You can't, We cannot be compared to God. We're going to mess up. Yeah. And that's how a lot of people leave church because they were judged mm-hmm. and they were ridiculed. And so they're just like, well, this just must be how the religion is. Mm-hmm. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to give God a chance because yes. of how the people who are of God that they say they are are treating me like crap. Yeah. If this is how this is, I don't want to be a part of it. And frankly, I don't blame them. Because yeah. if that's all you see, you don't want to be a part of a religion that ridicules and judges people. Absolutely. So that's understandable. Absolutely. And and you're right about that. I think that the church has not done a, a great job in taking care of the sick, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, right? And most of us are sick that are in the church, but I think... That's you the whole know, point of us going to church. Exactly. That's why we need Something Jesus, to work right? on. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so... Uh, but we have not done a great job and granted we are you know imperfect people yeah. however um, there are a few times where we need to let our light shine right even yeah. if it's a glimmer right even this even if our light looks like glitter right even if it just it looks like tiny glitter, tiny tiny, <laughs> tiny right um, we still have to let our light shine in some spaces and yeah. when it comes to people People need our lights, right? Yeah. Um, you think about a fire, right? Um, if you see a fire going out, 
the easiest way to make a fire um, get stronger um, is to add more fire, right? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, oxygen will work, right? But adding more fire, giving it, giving more fire to a fire, gives it makes a fire bigger, right? Um, yeah. Um, and I say that, and I say that to just you know, I think we as Christians we have to um, we have to work harder on a um, being empathetic, but also letting our light shine, being generous to the people, being empathetic and generous to to the to the sick, to the newly sick yeah. uh, that's coming into the, uh, the church. It's definitely. It's like we act like the Pharisees a lot, definitely. And we definitely need to do more of what Jesus was doing in the word. And um, we're so quick to see somebody sinning and want to say, want to judge them for their actions and make them feel bad and throw verses at them. Yes. But maybe all they really need is a shoulder to cry on or an ear to have listened to them and what they're going through. Absolutely. A safe space. Maybe that's exactly what they need. They need somebody who's non-judgmental who can be a safe space for them. Yeah. The church is lacked in safe space, especially when it comes to mental health. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because like you said before, you know, the people have always, the people have said, no, that's simple and things of that nature. No, like sometimes I really, I'm not like, People have a general compass of what's right and wrong, right? Yeah. Um, um, I think people can figure that part out, right? It didn't take me uh, one year at church to recognize that watching pornography was wrong, right? It didn't take me... Mm -hmm, I agree. It didn't take me 50,000 days in church to recognize that premarital sex didn't feel right, Mm -hmm. right? Now, listen, I'm not judging anybody who, who... engages in premarital sex because listen I understand right but as far as morality it didn't take me 10,000 years to figure out that was wrong it didn't take me 10,000 years to figure out murder was wrong right yeah like like we have to understand that people do have a general um, understanding of what's right and wrong yeah general moral compass yes it's just hard to you could tell me I know something's wrong but it's gonna take me a minute to stop doing it. Exactly. Like that's sin cycles. That's where I'm human. Like I'm gonna fall. Exactly. A, a lot of us do things that we know we should not be doing. Exactly. Non like believers and non-believers. Exactly. But the thing is, is that we do things, but there's always a motivation behind it, and mm-hmm. that's the reason why simply judging, um, like um, the older generations have probably done with us, is not the way, right? Because they don't actually understand us. No. They don't understand why I am struggling, why I am, you know, why I'm engaging in premarital sex. They don't understand why I smoke cigarettes, right? I don't smoke cigarettes, but you get the point. Um, they don't understand why I do that stuff, right? Yeah. They don't understand why I joined the gang, right? Because nobody just joins a game because all of a sudden they're like, they want to be about their life, right? There's always motivation behind action. And yeah. I think that's what we're missing in the body, mm-hmm. right? And from, a, and from a therapeutic standpoint, we're always looking for the why you do what you do. Right? Yes, the Therapy. why will solve. The, the why aware. will solve. We start with your motivations behind why you do what you do. Exactly. We, we start with the motivations by why you feel the way that you feel, right? Um, and I feel like the church, we have just missed it. We need to ask more whys instead of paying attention to the what. Yeah, period. 
you know and so yes i love that and so we have to we just have to get there yeah if we get to the why we'll understand our awareness we'll understand why we do the things that we do yeah. and it'll be easier to solve it and figure it out yes. honestly it'll help us learn ourselves better and our triggers better yes like yes. it'll be an easier easier ish process Absolutely. still gonna be difficult but yeah and it'll build your relationships with people outside of the church and Build your relationship with God. <laughs> Build your relationship with the Lord. That's what happened to me. I remember when I learned that I had it. I learned, oh God, what was this? This is like shortly after my breakup. And this was so, was this like 2021? Mm -hmm. I realized I had, a, I realized I had a fear of abandonment. Ooh, I was like, I've literally am scared to, to, to be left. Mm. And that stems from obviously, like I said, the absence of my, of my parents, mm. physical and um, emotional. Mm. And then, so that's always why in my relationship, like, I would do a, a tug and pull. Mm. Like, it's starting to feel like you're trying to back away, let me pull you back in. That sort of thing, the anxious attachment type of stuff. Ooh, and that's why I was... Attachment styles, okay. <laughs> I was like, I, I have a fear of abandonment. I just really talked to God, and I was like, I have a fear of abandonment, God. I feel like people are just going to leave me. That's why I do the things that I do. Mm. So when you're that real with yourself, you can be just as... you have. Like, I'm so authentic with God. Like, mm. I don't care at this point. Like, I tell him. I tell him I, I feel like sinning. Yep. I feel like doing this. Yep. I'm, I'm mad, blah, blah, blah. Like, I yep. literally am so real with him, but it took time to get there. Yeah. So. Absolutely. You realize your why, and you tell God your why, which he already knows, but still he wants to hear it from you because that's a relationship. Absolutely. You can build your relationship with him, more authenticity, and comes out, and. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like, I, you know, you got to think about God as like, not only is he your prayer, but you got you got to handle his your relationship with him like he's your best friend, right? Mm -hmm. um, it ain't like God don't already know what's going on, exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> you know, because he's omnipotent and omni omniscient, right? Yeah. And so uh, with him being that, um, it's, he's the easiest person to talk to, and he has the help of the Holy Spirit here for you, right? Yeah. Um, to guide you through these processes. Um, in these situations, yeah. Right? Um, you know, but again, we have to. We just have to do better as a body. Yeah. You know. Definitely, I agree. Yeah. I feel like churches nowadays are getting better at that. Like I just went to church last Sunday, and he's doing a series on mental health, mm. and it's really good so far. A lot yeah. of churches are starting to do that more, as they should. Yeah. 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 And I, you know what? And and literally is is great because like the the church is literally becoming the place of the um, the spiritually sick, and they help the spiritually sick, but also helping the mentally sick. It it, it adds a different dimension, right? Because there's no other place um, that does both, right? Um, yeah. And that has to. But but again, God cares about you mentally, right? Mm -hmm. Um, God cares about us mentally. Like I know for a fact, He does. Um, yeah, He sees. He totally sees behind the. Oh, you know, God is great. Yes. All glory to Him. But on the inside, you crying. Yes. He sees through your facade. Yes. <laughs> he yes. knows. He knows everything. Yes, because literally, God would not care about drying your tears if He didn't care about the issues of why you're crying. Yes. Right, and so we just have to. We have to remember that, right? Um, that's super important. Um, and I forget that. I forget what verse that is, but it's in the book. <laughs> it is in the book. It is in the book. It's in the book. You're right. It's in the book. It's in yeah. The book. So, 
you're not alone. I just want to say that. Yeah. You're not alone. You don't lack faith. You're not a fake Christian because you deal with depression or anxiety. Like, oh, yeah. coming to, like, this, everybody's journey is different. Some people have depression and anxiety, then they come to Christ and have a relationship with Jesus. And things do overall get better for them, and they don't struggle with that. Some people do get delivered, and they never deal with that again. Yep. Some people, they come to Christ with those issues. Yep. Heck, they can get baptized, but they still will struggle with some depression and anxiety, and they Absolutely. might need to be put on medication. Absolutely. Just the first Christian who got delivered doesn't doesn't mean that they're a better person, that they're a better Christian, that they yeah. did it right or yeah. better. Yeah. Like, it just depends person to person. Absolutely. And, you know, I, th- I think that we have to we have to be real with ourselves, when, especially when it comes to, like, medicine. I think that medicine is definitely important um, because you can't tell me that um, if a person who has, um, and I like to use, I like to use delusions, right? Um, I think that, that you can't tell me that a person. Um, I mean, I guess. Let me say this: a person who has delusions that don't stop, they need prayer, but they also need the physical aspect of the medicine that calms their um, their nerves down, right? That mm-hmm. calms their um, that calms their brain down, right? Um, because there's a reason why they see what they see, right? Yeah. Um, and medicine definitely is a tool. It's definitely yeah. a tool. Yeah. Nothing wrong with medicine. Absolutely. In moderation. In moderation. <laughs> In moderation. Right. Yeah. Right. It's, it's not the end all be all. No. However, it is a tool. It's a tool. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, all this stuff is important. Like I, I've, I've come to recognize this and. Um, at first, I was kind of ashamed of taking medicine myself. Like, I thought that, um, first of all, I thought that I was weak for taking it. But then I also... Yeah, I think that's just um, in general society. And then also you're being, you being a male. Yeah, me being a male. Patriarchy. No. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I also, uh, like, from a spiritual aspect, I was wondering, like, am I a weak enough Christian? But I think that sometimes... Um, depression can take over right and it's hard to kind of work through it sometimes um mm-hmm. and so and so yeah like um it's just different it's hard yeah life is hard life is hard life be life life is literally hard so i don't judge people and they're in the way that they handle or cope cope with things i don't want them to stay there yeah absolutely at some point i am i'm gonna speak up <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah. no nah, i don't judge and I think that comes back with what we were talking about with sin like for those of you who are struggling with things mentally and you show that or try to cope with that through sin maybe you've uh, backslid and started (laughs) (laughs) started smoking weed again or whatever the case may be Mm -hmm. um, I see why you do it yeah I don't want you to stay there yeah but I see you I see why yeah I'm not gonna judge you for that Absolutely. I want you to get the help that you need. I want God to be number one, but I'm not going to judge what you, your sin, and I'm not going to judge your uh, your coping mechanisms. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And that's how we all should be. Absolutely. Nothing wrong with praying, 
Nothing wrong with fasting, nothing wrong with taking medicine, nothing wrong with going to church, nothing wrong with doing all of them. Yep, absolutely. Going to therapy. All of that. Journaling. Journaling. Yeah. Yeah. I love journaling. (laughs) Yeah, journaling is great. Especially journaling to God. These things intersect as well. Absolutely. Journaling, you can journal to God. There's been times where I went on walks, which is physical and being out in the sun, but then I'm also listening to maybe a Christian podcast. Yep, absolutely. So you can, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Christian, like, I'm out when. Because, you know, like when you're journaling, well, sorry, when you're outside and you're walking, right, you're getting all the 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 feel-good yeah. emotions, but then you're also kind of learning and you're kind of you're kind of getting a spiritual aspect. Yeah, you're getting spiritually care. fed, too. Yeah, and that's super important. Mm-hmm. Definitely super important. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I agree. I have um, another piece to say from, this is the gospelcoalition.org. Okay. Though mental illness is a result of the fall, my affliction, like the man born blind, isn't punishment for my sins or the sins of my parents. Mm. Mental illness may not be my fault, which for a lot of us it isn't. It's caused by trauma and things of that nature. Nobody just wakes up depressed. Absolutely. Um, But it can be my opportunity to speak truth about Christ's love to others. Of course, sin can exacerbate mental illness, like I said, Mm -hmm. or stir up depression and anxiety. Sin spreads the infection of the darkness, which is why it's so important to have people point you to Christ. If we repent and turn our focus to Christ, we can allow the light, however dim it may appear, to seep in. And this is James 4, 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Mm, It's in the book. It's, in, it's the in the book. It's James 4, 8. Absolutely. Draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. Yeah. And some people only need to draw near to God, and some people need to get a therapist. It's exactly. a medication, and that's cool. Exactly. And I and I have a kind of like a brief story, right? And I think that this is definitely important. Because um, I think the first part of that said that um, the affliction is not my fault, right? Yeah. Is that what it said? Mm-hmm. Um, when I when When I think about that, I think about kind of like, the trauma that, you know, that a lot of us have experienced in our life, right? Um, yeah. You know, with me, I think that um, it's not my fault that I was adopted, right? Yeah. Um, it's not my fault that I found out at 12. Well, yeah. I guess that would technically be my fault because I technically went looking. But it's okay. not my fault that nobody <laughs> told me, right? Yeah. Um, and it's not, the, it's not my fault that my dad was uh, a heavy drinker. No, right. that's his own trauma and everything. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But I am the one that was affected by it, right? And so, therefore, I do deal with rejection issues. Like, when you talk about abandonment, abandonment also plays in that. Like, I, you know, I, with rejection in particular, I, you know, I do get really upset when I'm rejected, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just because, and I've, I've gotten better, <laughs> but it has been, a, that has been a thing in my life where I've had to work through but I also believe that, you know, during that time period where I wasn't working through that um, and I kept trying to get accepted and I kept trying to get the love, um, you know, I openly became like a serial dater. Right. Um, in my teen years, I didn't I dated <laughs> I dated consecutively for four years straight. Mm. Right. And so um, actually 14 to 19, five years straight. Um, and so. <clears throat> And it was because, for one, I could not be alone, right? And it was funny, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't tell you this before. So one of the people that I actually was trying to date actually called it out. She was like, uh, it was kind of embarrassing. Like, I was like, I felt bad. Like, I was like, dang. But she was like, so you can't be alone, huh? And I was like, mm. 
well, you kind of right. You're right. Uh, me, I can't be alone. Yeah, <laughs> right? let me dig deeper into that. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know, I took it as, like, me being mad. But the reality was that I couldn't be alone. Like, I hated being alone. Like, I needed constant love because I wasn't getting it at home. Right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't receive enough of it, I thought, in my life. So, therefore, I constantly wanted the relationships. Yeah. I constantly Looked wanted... for love in all the wrong places. Exactly. And I constantly wanted the 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 prompt you know to involve myself in the promiscuity of it all because i wanted that deep intimacy and the the love that came from it i wanted that right Mm -hmm. and so um you know a lot of times like uh people looked at that as like okay so like this dude he just got like some insecurities and things of that nature and and then that's true Mm -hmm. but they never looked at the reason why right and it's not anybody's I would say for people on the outside looking at it, it's not your responsibility. It, it, I would say it wasn't necessarily their responsibility to look in the reason why. However, when you are judging somebody with an opinion, you should probably find out why, right? Um, and then help, right? Yeah. If you have the relationship. Yeah. Um, you know, I think my uh, I think my mentor, he told me a lot about, he taught me a lot. And I think that um, unintentionally, he taught me about um, about needing to be healed in areas, right? Needing to be healed from rejection um, because I struggled with it for so long, right? Yeah. Um, but he unintentionally uh, told me a lot about uh, needing healing in those areas, right? And I remember when I was 20, um, I had began a journey of uh, being single. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I was single for about two years. And during that time period, I had to get used to being, being myself, alone. Yeah. Right. And I think it was so hard. Right. I think about it because I was virtually facing the trauma uh, that I have not faced before. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it, and it sucked trying to face the trauma. Facing trauma sucks. <laughs> yeah. It does suck. Like, I, I can't get the adulation from the opposite sex. Like, I'm purposely staying away from that. Like, why? Mm-hmm. Right? What was the purpose for it all? And and it, it served a greater purpose, right? Because I got to heal in some areas that I, that I, um, that I needed to. Um, and so, um, and even still, I still needed healing because even when I got married, <laughs> um, I had to go back to therapy. I had to go to therapy, right? Um, found my family, um, and, um, you know, it's different when you go from two other siblings to 13 other siblings. It's different. Oh, wow. And so, um, I had to go to therapy for it, right? Um, I had to make sure I was handling things correctly, right? Um, had to make sure that I was not openly, like, not even openly, but unintentionally hurting my wife by the things I was going Mm-hmm. And you need that stuff, though. You need that support, right? Nobody's going to give you that level of support. You have to go seek that out. Yeah. You have to be in community. Yeah. And even God doesn't want you to just only talk to him. Absolutely. He should be number one, but he says that we should not be alone. I mean, that's literally, he created Eve. He said, let man not be alone in Genesis. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, Yeah. I I agree with that. Yeah, and when you take that from a community standpoint, like, God gave you, he gave you friends. He put people in your life for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. Intentionally did that. 
Yeah. So you gotta take advantage of it. Period. So, so yeah, I'm. I think that this. I don't know. I, I, I think that we have to. We have to look at mental health differently. You know, we have to look at supports differently. We have yeah. To look at all this. Yeah, I agree. Bad mental health. I there. Hey, there is a time and a place where it's like I said, demonic and spiritual attacks, and yeah. you're gonna need to be in prayer and be around other Christians. But then yeah. it's not the case for everybody and for every situation. Yeah. Sometimes there's gonna need to be other resources. But Absolutely. as long as you're keeping God your number one resource, which you should, because you're a Christian. Absolutely. I think you know it'll be okay. Put it at His feet. Lay it at the altar. What you're going through. But then, like Josh said, there's other people around you who will support you as well. And then maybe you need somebody who's licensed and yes. deals with that who will help you through that as well. And then yes. also you're doing all these other physical things that will help you, like working out and yes. things of that nature. So. And listen, I'll tell you, for my Christian friends who are deciding that they want to go to therapy, it might be good for you to find a therapist who's a Christian. Yeah. Right? Intersectionality. Yes. You mm-hmm. need the... You need the First of all, you need the understanding, um, the basic understanding, right? You need the agreement. Um, not only do you need the physical stuff on this side, but you also need the spiritual stuff. Yeah. And um, talking to a therapist who is also Christian that who believes line up with yours will help you. Yeah. Factual. Yeah. So. I agree. Yeah. All right. I think this was good. I think we should end it here. Yeah, that, that works. That <laughs> yeah. Works. Know that you guys are not alone and. It's okay to seek help, but yeah. keep God as your number one and don't feel ashamed. And if you have ever felt ashamed, ignore the people who have shamed you yes. for what you're going through. And for those of you who have shamed, I hope that this opened your eyes. Absolutely. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we're done. We're out of here. <laughs> All right. Peace. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope something resonated with you. Remember, our goal here is to relate and help each other grow, so let me know if I've helped you along your journey. Leave a review and don't be afraid to reach out to me on my socials.